Keys with it. Man, He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubs his nose. Yeah. What about to McCullum, Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Joining me tonight is last year's Supercoach BBL champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, and I'm excited to chat a few things Supercoach for episode two. Good to have you here, mate. Mate, you mentioned last week you were off to State of Origin last week, the decider up in Queensland. You're living in Brisbane, but you are a Sydney boy. Uh, you were, you had your Blues jersey on, loud and proud, mate. How was that night? Yeah, like, fantastic atmosphere. Enjoyed the game up into the results. And then when you have to walk through the stadium with thousands of Queenslanders reminding you of the result, it's not the most pleasant thing, and I would not recommend it one bit whatsoever. Mate, that is the stuff of bloody nightmares for me doing that. Mate, uh, I'm glad you made it through, though. Also joining us tonight is, as always, the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are you? G'day, fellas. Yeah, um, excited to chat some cricket this week. Obviously, it's a very, very good thing we don't have to talk about Origin because as a New South Welshman, tell you what, tough old series we somehow got done. Credit to Queensland. They do what they always do, but oh, just frustrating. But on to the BBL. I'm, uh, I'm actually moving house this weekend. Um, got a little pool in the backyard for the first time ever. So summer of cricket around the pool sounds pretty bloody enticing. Mate, that does sound unreal. We've got a first one day coming up this Friday. Um, Big Bash only a few weeks away, so plenty to get excited about. Uh, In tonight's episode of the SC Playbook podcast, we're going to continue our club previews with the Stars, which is, I mean, the biggest one to start the year. We know they've got the round one double game, so they're the most popular side in the competition. We'll also take a look at the Brisbane Heat, answer a few questions, do some other stuff, and just carry on as per usual. Um, first things first, though, I just wanted to quickly touch on the VC loophole, the vice captain loophole. Um, apologies to those people who do know what it is, but uh, sometimes the, the supercoach community gets so swept up in each other, chatting to each other and whatnot, you forget that there are a lot of people out there um, who don't know a lot of little tricks of the trade in supercoach. Um, so just in a little nutshell, and it, it does get tactical in a second, but what the vice captain loophole is for anyone unfamiliar with the concept, is, as we know, when you pick your team for each round, you pick a captain, you pick a vice captain. Uh, What it does is essentially give you two shots at a captain uh, at times. So how it works is you put your vice captaincy on a player playing early in the round before your captain. If your vice captain does happen to go large and score big points, what you do then is, it gets a little bit technical, uh, you you swap a person from your reserves into your starting lineup, you then give them the captaincy armband, which then means when they don't play, your vice captain becomes your captain. You get double points for your vice captain, uh, and that's how it works. Uh, you then get the auto emergency, which is the lowest scoring player in that position, comes into your team as replacement for the person uh, who scored you zero points, who was your captain. Um, feel free to hit us up on our socials and that if that didn't make sense because it probably didn't. Uh, but we do have an article floating around about it as well that explains it. Um, anyway, what made me think of that for the time being was that 
one of the articles uh, we wrote during the week, Michael Fisher wrote a, wrote a belter on the wicketkeepers, and he mentioned a bloke by the name of Baxter Holt, the Sydney Thunder wicketkeeper, 42 grand, um, an absolutely bargain basement buy, going to be pretty popular, but he's not going to play a game this year likely, barring international call-ups, injuries and other sorts of things. Um, the relevance is that if you pick Baxter Holt as your reserve wicketkeeper, for the opening stages of the year, you get basically a free crack at this vice-captain loophole. So this works that say you start the year with, um, I don't know, maybe a, a whoever, a, one of the popular Josh Felipe is your starting wicketkeeper. Um, the Sydney Thunder in round one play the third last game of the round. Round two, they play the third three of five games of the round. And then in round three, they play the third of four games in the round. So what you can do is you can bring him in. If someone in your team goes large, you can put the v, the captaincy on them uh, and then get Baxter Holt as your reserve keeper. It's very confusing, so feel free to message us. What I'm getting to is, Tom O, mate, you won it last year. Did you utilise the VC loophole very often? Absolutely, mate. When I was making a bit of a charge in the last few rounds, um, the vice-captain loophole was a perfect thing to use. I used it on big batsmen like Wade and Finch. So I think you've explained it pretty well there, mate, and I think it's a great tactic to use the old VC loophole. Nice, mate. Um, and Baxter Holt, uh, is he a guy that's on your radar now knowing that you know you can get effectively a free hit early on with him? It, would you be interested in doing it and also freeing up some cash at the same time, or do you think it's more important to have a guy in that uh, that slot um, generating cash for your squad? Uh, Big Baxter is in my team at the moment, and I'm looking to utilise the loophole in the wicket-keeping area, so I think you're spot on the money there. Nice, mate. Yeah, I didn't have him in my team in my first few drafts of my side, but um, I have recruited Baxter Holt into there. And, look, I, I think it makes sense. So a bit of a left-field one, but it does make a bit of sense. Hey, guys, if you are enjoying the, the content at the moment, uh, we do have a subscription available for $20. Uh, that gives you access to a stack of extra articles, including our full squad previews, which I've been doing. That's 2,000 words of analysis on each squad for the preseason. Stacks of additional content during the season, uh, and also access to our subscriber special podcast, which is a Q and A. We'll be doing every single round throughout the year, um, just to answer your questions and be able to help you out there. Uh, it supports the site going forward, um, and obviously getting blokes like the Spy and last year's champion Tomo on deck. So, uh, if you're interested, happy days, guys. Let's get stuck into the stars. As mentioned, they've got the double game to start the year, um, so they're—I mean—they're the most popular team to start the season. Uh, they also have the double game week in round 10, um, and then they have a bye in round three. Um, I'll start with you, Spy. Mate, who's taking your fancy there? I mean, they've got guys like Stoinis, Maxwell, um, so many big names in Supercoach and in actual Big Bash. Who do you like? Yeah, mate, I've had a, obviously a fair bit of a look since last week. At this stage, I've got five stars in my side, uh, my starting lineup. It might even push out to six, to be honest. Um, but I had a quick look through the side. We've got some question marks on the availability of Madison, Pekowski, and Nicholas Puran, who I was super keen on. So it's going to be a little bit of a wait and see just to confirm who's actually playing that first game. But the beauty of the round one is that it's a rolling lockout, so you can change your side with unlimited trades up until 
their first game. So I'll see what side's name and I'll go from there. But I really like uh, Maxwell, Zampa and Coulton Isle, all very difficult to leave out on a double game week. Uh, sometimes it's easy to get guilty in Supercoach for maybe chasing an antipod or do something different to the to the rest of the community. But I think it'd be pretty difficult to leave sort of those three guys out, providing they've all got decent roles once we see the, uh, the line-up and the batting order. Uh, outside of that, I really like Zahir Khan, the young Afghan fella. He hasn't been fully tested in, uh, like, real quality cricket yet, but I just love those Afghani spinners. And if he can take some wickets and do it at a nice economy rate, especially with a double game, he'll be hard to leave out. So I'd like to get him in and maybe hope that his ownership's a little bit low. Do have one more up the sleeve, boys, but we might get to him later, so I'll just hold that for now. Yeah, nice, mate. There is plenty to talk about with the Stars uh, Tom, I'll shoot over to you, mate. And look, let's start with Marcus Stoinis and Glenn Maxwell. Um, look, there is there any way that you can't have one of these two in your team? Because I've looked at them. I've locked them in. I have not thought twice about them. Um, Stoinis, for one, I mean, he scored 705 runs last year at 54.23. Strike rate of 136.62. Uh, we know he hit that now infamous 147 not out. That was a 244.2 coach round. Remarkably, though, it was all without bowling last season. He has been bowling in the IPL, not heaps, but enough. So the suggestion is that his body's fit and right to go. Um, mate, is there any argument to leave Stoinis or Maxi out as an antipod type move? Uh, I don't think so. And you reminded me of his big innings last year. I didn't actually have him in my team when he posted that monster score last what? year. So, yeah, it just goes to show that you can still be um, successful and you can still have a few misses. So I didn't have him um, at that stage of the season last time. So I will definitely be starting with him. I think he's the most logical inclusion in the side from a star's perspective. He averaged a pretty good um, almost 65 last year. And as, as you correctly said, he didn't really bowl much. He's back bowling in the IPL two years ago. He averaged almost 100. Um, yeah, he's got to be in there. And I have seen a little bit of chatter about some people saying Glenn Maxwell's form in the IPL is not that great. And some people are thinking about, is he worth the price leaving him out? Uh, but he's a huge talent with bat ball and in the field. Um, I reckon with the stars and the double in the first week, the chances are that he'll go big either batting or bowling sometime the first two games. So I'll be having an in of my initial team for sure. What about you boys? Yeah, Tomo, uh, it's, I've definitely got them both. My only concern about Maxi, uh, and my only concern, I say this from a captaincy perspective because I'm tossing up, do I go Stoyness or do I go Maxi? Uh, I'm leaning towards Stoyness now that it looks like he'll be bowling. Um the Stars have Zaya Khan in their side. They've got Adam Zampri in there, who are two key spinners. Um, you know, look, if they get maybe a, a, a deck a little bit more friendly to the quicks, do we think Maxi still bowls his four overs every every game with those two in the side? I mean, he bowled 37 overs last year. His return was good. His economy was good. Um, so, I mean, 12 overs of spin, that's a lot. But, I mean, it's proven effective in T20 cricket, hasn't it? It sure has. Um I don't think he always bowls his four. Um, I think he's captain, so he might um, give himself a few overs each game. So I don't think he always bowls his four, but he'll always bowl enough to contribute and be a relevant scorer. Yep. Um, a guy I did have in my team initially, and I'm still keeping an eye on, is Nick Maddinson at 78K. 
Um, he hasn't been red hot of form in the in T20, which I mean T20 ODI, the short form sort of cricket. You'd think is his specialty. He's actually been better in better form in like the Sheffield Shield and the longer format in the last few years. Um, the Australia A duty looks like he'll miss at least the first game of that double game week. So keep an eye on him, but probably one to leave out at this stage. Nicholas Poran, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but it looks like Poran. The spy pronounced it differently before. Mate, he has been on fire of late. Went off in the IPL, averaged 35 at – scored 335, 353 runs at 35 at a strike rate of 169, which is just ridiculous. So the situation with Poran is that he's over in New Zealand or will be over in New Zealand. They've got a short-form series there against the Black Caps. Um, he's not expected to be picked in the test squad, but they want to get him around the squad for experience. So whether or not that bites into his time at the start of the Big Bash, I'm not real sure. Um, Tomo, either of those guys, or who else is taking your fancy in the squad? Um, well, yeah, apart from the two big guns, I mean, Adam Zampa is certainly on most people's radars. He's probably you know the best or the second best spinner in the BBL behind Rashid Khan. And I'm looking also because, you know, I'm, the way I'm setting up my team, I'm looking to get a couple of batsmen from the stars and a spinner. I'm looking for a pace bowler. I'm thinking maybe Nathan Kutanile, um could be the fella I pick. Um, going back a couple of years, he scored a lot better. But last year, average of 48 is not too bad. Um, I know some people are thinking of big Billy Stanlake, but just – I don't know, after his performances last year, I'm not sure if I could bring myself to pick him in my side. What do you boys think? Mate, is Stanlake a case of people saying, all right, you know, he's 78K, he's dirt cheap, he'll get the double round early on, and, and he allowed 75K is, sorry. Um, is it people just getting too excited about the price? But uh, logis- logistically speaking, in reality, mate, he's just not that much of a super coach factor. Yeah, I think you could be right there. I mean, if he's ever going to produce um, big scores, it's the price, it's the double. But there's just something about it that, um, as I said in my article, there's something about him that I just can't see him posting regular scores even in his new side. So he's one I haven't got at the moment, but maybe the more I tinker with my side, the more I talk myself out of it and put him in. One I'm unsure at the moment. Yeah, you you wrote in your article, which I ripped off and put in my article, that he – in the past, he's had scores in recent years of 122 and 111, so he can go big, but he's also had returns of 6, minus 3, 6, 9, 3, and 4. So, mate, seriously, it's you just don't know with Big Billy, do you? Spy, you mentioned before that you were eyeing off someone else in the Stars squad. Yeah, boys, um, it's been floated on social media by one of our followers, but Nick Larkin might be a chance of getting a run at least in the initial stages of the tournament. I'm not sure what his long-term projection is, but he has a really good 2020 record. He averages about 33 at a strike rate of 127. So if he's batting up high come that first match, then I think it'd be hard to leave out because you double that. You're looking at potentially 80 points or something on average, maybe more if you could knock out a half century or who knows, he might even go bigger. So he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, boys? Yeah, it's it's a massive watch for me, this star squad, because of that Australia A um, availability. You know, there's porn as well, what's going on. I mean, I was trying to do during the week my predicted 11 for them for sort of round one or the early rounds, and you're sort of looking at it. Larkin didn't sign until a couple of days ago, so that made it even tougher. But 
I mean, Spy, do you think Larkin opens the bat uh, with provided Madison's out? Do you think he opens the bat for this double game week? Or do you think someone like Hilton Cartwright gets the promotion? Because Cartwright, in Cartwright's last five knocks last year, he hasn't been bowling, but he had 21, 58 not out, 19, 59 and 35. Um, could it be Cartwright? Mate, he's a really good cricketer as well. So be, as you said, the beauty here is you can wait and see what that side is that's been named game one. If Larkin gets replaced by Cartwright at the top of the order, then you can flip him in instead. But I do like them both as an option potentially. Uh, but I really hope to see Larkin at the top of the order there because he finished with a flurry last year from memory and um, he's a pretty good cricketer. So I'd love to have him in and maybe at a little bit of semi-low ownership there. Spy, at this stage, who will you be skippering for round one? Will it be out of Stoinis and Maxwell? And if so, I think so, mate. I don't mind Zampa as an option either. He's been really good, but I think it's pretty hard to go past Stoinis. He uh, was so good last year, far more consistent than Maxwell. Um, even though they ended up on similar numbers, I probably would like Stoinis with that upside of potentially bowling as well. Um, yeah, I'd probably be a big Stoin man early, boys. Yeah, nice, mate. Uh, Tomo, anything to add on the stars and who's your skipper? Uh, I think you have to skip uh, Stoinis. looks a logical pick. Um, the only other one from the stars that we've spoken a little bit about is Zahir Khan coming in. Last year he got eight wickets in eight games for a 46 average in Supercoach. Could he possibly sneak in a couple more wickets and pick up that average early doors? Um, I think Zampa will always bowl his 4-4. I think um, Khan will bowl his four, but he's one to uh, will certainly be considering um, early doors as well. Yeah, there's so many options in that that Stars outfit. And, I mean, I think most of us are going to be starting with five or six. As we said, we do have until round three um, to get them out, which is six trades to trade them out before that buy. Um, you know, people are going to have um, hurricanes and uh, strikers in their side who have the later doubles following round one. So um, there is time to play around with uh, those sort of sides. Hey, guys, let's throw a bit of a question in there. I'm interested to get your thoughts, and I think a lot of people are. I'll start with you, Tomo. Who's the big point of difference play that you're eyeing off early in the competition? Uh, I think we're going to speak about a couple um, coming up in the heat, but um, I'm thinking Tom Cooper, who has a very low ownership at the moment. I think it's going from memory. I think it's only about 2%. Um, He's pretty cheap. I think he's in their best eleven. I think he's capable of playing that anchor role left by um, Renshaw, and he's just under 80,000. He's going to do a little bit of batting, a little bit of bowling. I'm not expecting massive things from him, and I know his form um, last year and he's in his um, shield this year isn't as great, but um, I just think at 2%, that's very, very low for someone that could play the whole tournament. So that's my early guy I'm tinkering around with. Yeah, it's a good good shout. And I the thing about Tommy Cooper is, I mean, Tom Banton is not going to be there to start the tournament. Joe Burns is obviously very unlikely with test duty, even if he's not in the side, he'll be thereabouts. Minus Lubbershay is going to be on test duty. Lewis Gregory's on international duty for the Poms. Um, so they're just their batting order and I mean and their bowling order, it just looks shot to me. It's I don't know if it's um a blessing or a or a what do you want to call it for the um the heat because they've got all these players at top international level or if it's poor planning in the sense that now they're depleted for the opening stages. So, um, but yeah, I'm with you, mate. I think Tommy Cooper is going to have to bat as high as probably number five um, just as a result of this. Spy, who'd you come up with? 
Boys, I wouldn't mind um, getting big Riley Meredith into my side. He's a little bit expensive, but he does have the double game week in round two. He took a bunch of wickets at a pretty hefty strike, pretty pretty large strike rate last year. When I say large, I actually mean low. He took wickets at a, at a re- serious rate. And I think he's only about 6% ownership. So if he could jump in and get a bunch of wickets in those first two weeks over his three games, I think he could be an absolute steal. And then you can move him on for um, one of the Adelaide double week, game, double week guys or maybe just even keep him through the tournament. But he's got some upside at pretty low ownership. So that's just an early thought there, lads. Yeah, like it, mate. So I've got two that I came up with that I'm struggling to split at the moment. I'll definitely be starting with at least one of them. Um, and they're two guys that I consider to be, when fit and healthy, in arguably the top five short-form bowlers in the Big Bash, if not Australia, uh, and I'd nearly say as wide as Australia. It's AJ Ty um, and Berendorf over in WA. I think they're just elite players Ty's owned by 5.6 players. Berendorf's 5.3% of coaches. Um, They're absolute superstars who have had their injury issues in the past. They both should be good to go for round one of Big Bash. They don't have any doubles or anything, but um, Tomo, what are your thoughts on Ty and Berendorf? Are they either of them appealing to you? Yeah, they're both under consideration. I think they are very similarly priced as well. it's just all a matter of how they come back from injury. You've got there someone that's likely to open the bowling. You've got someone that's likely to bowl in the middle and later stages. There's been a bit of discussions about the rule changes and, you know, is the rule changer changes going to um, disadvantage those deaf bowlers? So both of them are under consideration for me. I suppose it's just early doors making predictions. Are you better to have opening bowlers in your side or are those deaf bowlers still going to be like gold? So they're both, they're both um, good picks there, I reckon, mate. That's it, mate. And and Jeffrey Watson actually wrote in a question who asked the exact same thing. This is prior to me coming up with that, those two as my pods, saying Ty or Berendorf, and he made the point um, with the new power overs rule where, you know, the batsmen can choose uh, to use two of their power overs later in the innings. I mean, it's obviously going to be match situation dependent, but they're going to be using them pretty often late in the innings. Um, and all these key wickets that uh, the death bowlers like Berendorf, like Ty, get you know there's gonna be less blokes on the boundary so there's gonna be less blokes hauling out um look it's just something to think about and uh, maybe next week we'll talk about uh about how the new rules could affect Supercoach because it will produce a, a different landscape in a lot of ways moving on to the brisbane heat who have no buyers this tournament happy days for their players in a Supercoach perspective uh they've got the double game week in round eight so not anything to be too concerned about at the moment uh, I mentioned it just before, but they've got they've got blokes coming and going all over the shop. Uh, Gregory and Banton won't be likely available until the new year. Swepson and Joe Burns, they're uncertain because of the test setup. Um, I mean, it's all going on. Um, oh, I mean, I, I couldn't get my head around their side at all. Mark Steckerty, he's been picked for Australia. He, he's going to miss the opening game, possibly the first two for the Heat. Um, so a lot going on. Spy, I'll start with you, mate. Uh, at the Heat, who's taking your interest? Boys, at the Heat, as you said, it's a really interesting lineup. I don't quite know how it's going to sort of open up to start the year, but a couple of notes I do have. When Tommy Banton does get here, he's a very exciting young cricketer, but I tell you what, he's horribly out of form. Yeah, uh, got my notes here. His highest score in his last seven 2020 innings is, is 18 runs. So, and then he's got about five in single digits. So, I was all about Tommy Banton until I saw that. I'd, I can't be picking him when he comes into the 
into the lineup. Although in saying that, his upside is enormous. When he goes off, he goes off big. Uh, Chrissy Lynn, everyone knows the story on Chrissy Lynn. The question is, when you bring him into your side, is he going to get the job done for you? He was out of form last year, so he's probably a little bit cheaper than you could. Well, I know he's cheaper than he was to start last year, so that's pretty enticing. 130 yeah, like That's pretty good value. At the moment, I've actually got him in, but I may flip him to someone not like Nick Larkin with that double. Uh, but you would be a nervous watch, and it'll be a very exciting watch if you do own him, and you hope that he goes off in those Australian conditions. Uh, the other one I really like is, and I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce this, sorry, boys, but it's Uraman, um, the spinner they have. He's a really good cricketer. Um, he doesn't bat at all, so that's a bit of a shame, but he's a handy cricketer. Um, and so is Maxi Bryant, who was also out of form last year, uh, but he was really good the year before. He's an exciting opener. I don't think I could pay him my starting lineup to start, but maybe he's a bench player in the hope that he rises in value. But I think the Heat, and I'll get your thoughts on it, I think they're a huge just watch and act situation with those boys. A uh, bit of bushfire terminology there, but uh, I think you just sit and wait to see what happens and, and you can bring him in if you need to. But obviously Chris is the one. If you're going to start with any of them, he could be the one that goes off. Yeah, he's. I mean, I've got Lynn in my side at the moment, and I'm really tempted to Andy pot him and leave him out. Um, the, the way I see this Heat lineup at the moment, I think the batting order is so weak to start the season with so many blokes away uh, on different sort of duties. I almost feel like he's so key to their their batting order now that he. I mean, he's not going to play an anchor role because it's, that's not his job. That's not his style of cricket, but. I do think he's going to have to pull down that strike rate a little bit and play a little bit more conservatively because, I mean, I think him making 70 off 60 balls is more important than him making 40 off 20 balls um, with how they're lined up at the moment. Um, and, and I like your call on Maxi Bryant's spy. I've currently got him in my side. Dirt cheap at 67K. He only averaged 23 super coach points last season, averaged 14 with the bat. Um, going back two editions ago, he scored 335 runs at 28 with a strike rate of 150. Um, I know that makes him a little bit hit or miss, but he was batting down the order most of the time last season when he did play. With how they're lined up, I think he probably opens with Chris Lynn, which I quite obviously I like. Um, Tom, I'll shoot over to you, mate. Firstly, is that a decent option or a viable option to antipod Chris Lynn? Um, and who else do you like? Uh, it certainly is an option for some people, and we might speak about that in the show a bit later. There's no one at um, any sort of other higher prices that I really like at the Heat. I think there are a lot of unknowns, and they're coming off a season where um, they weren't that crash hot. So the only players at the moment I would be considering from a Heat perspective are cheaper players. So I've mentioned Tom Cooper, how I think he could play that anchor role and might be worth a shout. I'm also thinking Jack Wildermuth, who's available as the batter bowler for um, just over 62,000. He's coming back to the heat this year. He didn't play many games at the Renegades last year and averaged um, a really poor almost 19 supercoach points. If you go back a bit further, he does have scores of 88, 80 and 72 and was at a higher price. I think um, with the Heat, with some of the players they've lost, like Cutting and Pattinson, there should be some overs for him. I'm not sure if those overs are at the end because they do have a couple of other players that could provide death overs, but I think he's going to start best 11. I think his job security is pretty safe. 
Um, the other one is possibly Maxi Bryant. I suppose um, I've he- heard you boys say you're possibly keen on him because of the cheap price. Depends which Max Bryant. Is it going to be the one from two years ago where, you know, he was um, averaged 45 Supercoach points or is it the one from last year or like Galicia, see, which was only just under 24 points? Is that he's a sort of a – um, matches the Heat style of play, so that rocks or diamonds with that aggressive style. Um, he looks to be in the best 11 for now, so he could generate some cash, especially if he's going to go off early. Um, but I think this is correct, but his last two knocks in Queensland cricket have been ducks. So I wonder if the change <laughs> of scene in the BBL might um, freshen up again, or is he still a bit out of form? So that's something else to consider, I suppose. Yeah, mate, that's uh, it's pretty crook listening that on Maxi Bryan as a bloke who currently owns him. Um, <clears throat> I think the spy made a good point on Bryant. He could be just a, a good bench warmer to have there. He doesn't necessarily have to be scoring points for you because he could go huge, but you know if he gets a duck, he's effectively getting zero points for that game unless he jags a catch or something. But, I mean, when we're talking about wanting Adam Zampa, Marcus Stoinis, Glenn Maxwell, I mean, most of us are starting with Darcy Short ahead of their round two double. That's a lot of money being generated in not a lot of players. So you kind of need cheapies in your side. And there's a couple floating about, but, you know, probably not as many as we'd like to have. Um, and because of that reason, yeah, I don't mind him. I'm just looking at the most owned players. Chris Lynn's currently in 29% of teams, the eighth most owned. Jack Wildermuth, as you mentioned, 16th most owned with just under 18%. Maxi Bryant, 16% of teams, is the 20th most owned player. Um, so there is a bit of interest around the, the Brisbane Heat players. Um, I suppose the only other one of major note until we get a, a better idea of what their side will be, Spy, is Mornay Morkel, who he's getting on getting on in age now. Um, look, we know he's, he, he's big, rangy, um, tall, hit-the-deck style of bowling. He's suited to these bouncy Australian wickets. Uh, he's the 70th most owned player at the moment. Is he a, a smoky pod to start the year or or is Mornay just done and dusted? Yeah, look, I certainly wouldn't be starting with him. Uh, he's certainly not young anymore. Um, and the beauty is you can have a look at him. If he's bowling well, he looks in good rhythm. If he's beating the bat, if he's bowling quick and bouncy, then you can look at bringing him in at some stage. But with a lack of buyers and the question marks around him, I certainly won't be starting with him. And the same actually goes for Steckity. I don't really like his record, Steckity. He's pretty expensive. Uh, when he does come back, I just think Brisbane Heat bowlers traditionally and this year might be ones to avoid pretty well outside of their spinner. Um yeah, not a heap of interest interest for me there, boys. Yeah, no, that's all fair, mate. Hey, let's jump on to a, another question. Uh, it was actually one we had lined up for the podcast. Adrian Delaney, the great man, uh, jumped in and asked it anyway. Tomo, which popular player or players are you skipping for round one? Not keen on them, gone cold on them, not at all. Sure thing. I just before I ask that, I add in a spell. I think you're right with Mordai Morkel. I think he's coming back from ankle surgery as well, so that's another big watch for him um, before he comes back to see if he's actually going to play and what sort of fitness he's in. Um, my um, antipod or the one that high ownership would be Chris Lynn. Um, he what did you say? Twenty nine percent was it? Did you say? Yeah, twenty nine. Yeah, so you know he had huge scores last year of the 189 super coach points and 148 and had some small ones. Um, 
you know, I think he was at his peak years ago. I think he's sort of been found out as, you know, he's a bit suspect against some spin bowling um, with his injuries, um, with his shoulders and things like that. And he sort of is not going to be in a position in the field where he's going to take many catches. So um, at 29%, he's one that I'm considering not um, having in my team. Yeah, no, that's fair, mate. And as we said, we are, myself and the spy, thinking likewise. But again, he just, he just, He's a hard man not to own, very tough man to watch as a non-owner, but um, the upside to it um, could be pretty huge. Spy, what have you got, mate? Uh, what was the question again? Sorry, we <laughs> just got sidetracked a bit there. Was it the question around uh, who you're leaving out? Who are you putting yeah, I think We chatted yeah. about it last week, but Josh Philippi, if that's how you pronounce we might just clarify that. I, I still can't find him in my side. I think just that because I am loading up so much on those double game weeks early, um, with his high ownership, I'm just going to bank on him to fail in the first couple of weeks. Um, and if I do go a keeper there with a single game, I think I prefer Josh Inglis uh, over at Perth there. So at the moment, Philip is not in my side, and I hope he goes duck, duck too, and then maybe I'll bring him in. But, yeah, that's who I'm thinking early, lads, at this stage. Yeah, that, uh, that keeper position will be one of the most critical of – to, to set the year up, um, to kick things off, because there's a few options there that a lot of them are, you know, high upside, very big downside if they don't um, get any runs with the bat. So that would be very interesting to see who do, people do go with there. My one is Daniel Sams, which I touched on last week. He's currently the 11th most owned player, so very popular there. Um, no knock on him uh, or his form or any of that. However, I'm just concerned that, I mean, you know, his absolute peak value for mine at just under 200K, having taken 30 wickets last year, was eight more than second place. Um, he's a guy that I can just see dropping in value, um, hopefully pick him up later on a little bit um, for, for bigger points to come. But the question mark with him is, does he get a few more opportunities with the bat this year? That could balance out that that gap between wickets, which will inevitably come. Um, but, yeah, I've got Sams. What do you reckon, boys? You, you keen to leave Sams here? I'm big Danny Sams. As I said, he was my favourite player last year in my side. And if you can get a little bit more batting uh, without getting sort of two overs left and just swinging for a golden duck, I think he'll still do pretty well. But you are right in what you say. He performs so well with the ball, it might be difficult to hold that value. So he could be that ideal round four or five target. Yeah. And let's jump on to a few quick questions and then we'll wrap it up for tonight's podcast. Uh, we'll be going long next week, I think, because we'll probably have uh, four four teams to do ahead of the first actual round preview. Uh, we'll see how it goes, though. But first one from Maddie Broom, uh, second place overall in Supercoach BBL last year. Maddie's doing a team reveal for us in the next week or two, which will be an absolute belt, so I'm looking forward to reading that one. Uh, we did touch on this. I think, Spy, you touched on this one, but I'm keen to get both your thoughts, You having already got your Spy. He just wants to know your thoughts on Nick Larkin. Uh, so he says, if he bats at three, with if Poran isn't there, which is a big chance at this stage, um, are you interested in him, Tomo, or not? Um, he's one that's he's could be. I could be interested. Depends on team makeup. Uh, looks like he's going to bat high with a few people missing. It's a schedule pick because you wouldn't want to pick him at any other time. It's just a schedule pick, but. You know, I can't knock it whatsoever. So um, it's one I'm considering too at the moment, and he's on, you know, virtually next to nothing in terms of ownership. So I can't knock that suggestion one bit whatsoever. Yeah, it's a good point you make on, on being a schedule pick. I mean, there's a few of these guys like 
probably a Nick Maddinson if he were to start the year with the Stars. Um, there's him. There's, you know, potentially Hilton Cartwright. Um, the big one's probably Billy Stanlake. They're guys who literally, if you're going to get them in, you'll get them in for that opening round double, shift them on and not see them again in the whole year, maybe for the round 10 double. But, you know, guys that, you know, as opposed to guys like Stoyness and Maxi, who you, you might buy and have them for the majority of the year, provided form holds up, um, you know, they're guys that you'll be getting in for one week and one week only. Uh, a question from the Cashos, one of the great NRL supporters. Mate, he's missing the NRL Supercoach already. He just says, easy one. When does the Supercoach team picker open? Says he misses it. Can't wait for the full season. Thanks, legends. Casho, it's late December. Well, sorry, when I say late December, it was late December last year, about December 23 or 4. Uh, they opened that up, so hopefully we get that one again and, and we can get back into the league stuff. I mean, it has been finished for all of about one what week. What so. a <laughs> for Casho. <laughs> December 24. <Cash>. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one from Mark Hindle who asks, do your three emergency scores go on your round score like league? Um, so correct me if I'm wrong with the big bash fellas, but it's just one emergency reserve player, isn't it? So like league, you only get one emergency and saying that it's if one of the players in your lineup doesn't play that week, uh, you'll get the lowest scoring player from that position. So I think in league, you get the lowest scoring player from your entire bench. In big bash super coach, it comes from that, position doesn't it Tomo as opposed to your entire bench uh, I'm pretty sure that's right yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, so we'll, we'll clarify that one for next week's show but I'm pretty sure that's how it works hence why the wicketkeeper uh, vice captain Lupo we spoke about earlier is a really good option this year um, another one from Jeffrey Watson who says what ask what are your thoughts on Carlos Braithwaite Surely he will be used by the sixes and bowl four overs and bat in the middle, four, five, or six, while missing plays at the start of the competition. Spy, what do you reckon on Braithwaite? Boys, I've got a big thick line through big Braithwaite. Um, I had a look at his record. It's it's not that great with the bat or the ball, to be honest. He's not young either. It's not like he's going to improve. So for me, he's a no. Tomo? Um, yeah, look, he could... Um, Bat a bit higher and bowl more overs. It all depends on that player of player availability, but he's not one for me at the moment. Um, just I don't think he'll score a great amount compared to price. I think there's better value options around. Yeah, I, I'm with you, boys. He, um, I think people are maybe getting vibes of Bravo from a couple of the, the last few years of just this awesome West Indian all round who scores like an absolute legend. Um, good cricketer, but I have had a bit of a look into him. He's been playing in the Carib- Caribbean Premier League of late. He's been batting at about seven or eight there, um, which leads me to believe that he may even bat below Dan Christian at the Sixers because Christian's been getting a stack of cricket in over there, over in England, and batting quite well. Um, he's been bowling his overs, Braithwaite, but I just I find it hard to make a case for him when he could be batting as low as seven or eight again over here. So, so not for me. Um, guys, that's it for tonight's show. Hit us up at SC Playbook One on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All your feedback is super, super welcome. Um, anything we can do to improve the show, content ideas, article ideas, all that sort of stuff, let us know. Spy, thanks for that, mate. On fire. Thanks, fellas. Good to chat again. Tomo, cheers for the night, mate. Thank you, boys. Always good fun. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in.